Good morning. Welcome to Perryville First Baptist Church. Thank you to our worship leaders for leading us in worship this morning. I'm so glad that you could be with us today. As you know, uh, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. You know, in the first few years following the Civil War, people across the nation began to gather in cemeteries to decorate the graves of, of fallen soldiers, people who have fallen during the war. And of course, along with that, they were decorating the graves of loved ones who had passed on. And over time, that Decoration Day became known as Memorial Day. You know, I remember when I was young, we would often travel up to Searcy County on Memorial Day uh, to participate in decoration activities. Sometimes it was up in a little town called Whit Springs. Other times it was in a community called Red Oak. But there was always a potluck and, of course, family and friends would gather to reminisce as they would decorate the graves uh, that were there. Uh, you know, we, they would tell stories of people who had gone on to glory. And for me, it was a chance really in those days to learn about family members that had uh, passed on, people that I was really too young to know. But as I got older, I began to transition from the person always listening to the stories to being one of the people who occasionally would tell a story about someone that I had known who had since passed away. You know, there was always a sense of comfort in, in remembering the past and thinking about the way things used to be. You know, we, we talked about people who had went off to war. We talked about people who worked in the logging industry. Uh, we talked about uh, stories uh, about those who had killed a bear or had shot two, two turkeys with one shot. And we would laugh at stories and celebrate the victories that we witnessed in the lives of those who no longer were with us. But you know, as a believer in Christ, you begin to realize that, uh, that past, present, or future, whatever the victories that people experience, whatever those wins are that we celebrate, all of those things truly are blessings that are granted by the power of God. And that's exactly the attitude that David has in Psalm 143 as he begins to uh, remember the days, remember the days of old. Ironically, though, David's trip down memory lane in Psalm 143 does not come at a joyous time in his life. It comes during a time of great distress for David. You know, we're not 100% sure of when David writes uh, this psalm in Psalm 143. But based on what the psalm tells us, we know that it very well could have been during the time before David was uh, crowned king. Of course, he was anointed as the next king of Israel. Uh, but he was at a, during a certain point in his life, he was on the run from King Saul, who was seeking to have him assassinated. So it very well could be during that time of his life, which was very stressful and, and hard and difficult for him. It also could have been uh, a time when David was older than that, after he had become king. Uh, as king, he had to endure. Uh, rebellion, a, a rebellion that was led by his son Absalom. So 
regardless of when David is, is writing this, regardless of, of exactly what this is about, the exact story behind it, we understand that David is in distress in Psalm 143. He's in need and in his weakness he prays to God and he draws strength by remembering the days of old. So I want to invite you to join me here in Psalm 143 as we read the first six verses of this psalm, this cry for help. Psalm 143, starting in verse 1. Lord, hear my prayer. In your faithfulness, listen to my plea. In your righteousness, answer me. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one alive is righteous in your sight. For the enemy has pursued me, crushing me to the ground, making me live in darkness like those long dead. My spirit is weak within me. My heart is overcome with dismay. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all you have done. I reflect on the work of your hands. And I spread out my hands to you. I am like a parched land before you. Father, it's my prayer here today that you would help us to understand the significance of this passage as David prays to you, as he cries out to you in help. Father, help us to understand the strength that David draws, the strength that you give to him as he remembers the days of old. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here very very quickly, as we read Psalm 143, we see that David is in distress. He's being pursued by his enemy. And in verse 3, we see that he says, he says that he feels crushed. It feels like he's living in darkness. He feels, almost feels empty inside. He says, I, I, I feel like I'm in darkness like those who have long been dead. In verse 4, he says, my spirit is Weak, he says that his heart is desolate. He is, he is overcome with dismay. The, the word that, that really, uh, uh, that really describes this or the phrase that really describes this is that, that his heart feels empty. His heart feels empty. It's that, it's that feeling that you get when you're going through a major life crisis. It's that feeling you get when you're worn out, when it seems like, like, like all the bad things are never going to end. But in the middle of all of this strife, in the middle of all the anxiety and the stress and the fatigue, in the middle of it all, in verses 5 and 6, David draws strength from remembering the days of old. In it, what we're going to see here are three ways to remember the days of old. Number one, we should remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Look at what David says. He, he says, I remember the days of old. He says, I meditate on all you have done. That's past tense. Th throughout Scripture, God commands His people to set up memorials that, that they would remember all that He has done. These memorials in Scripture that, that, that God commands His people to set up would serve as a 
personal reminder to them, but it also would serve as a tool used to teach future generations about what God has done. If you remember in the book of Joshua, God, uh, after God dried up the Jordan River so that the Israelites could cross, uh, the people were told to set up stones on the bank of the Jordan uh, River as a reminder of what God had done. In 1 Samuel 7, God gave uh, Israel victory over the Philistines at the Battle of Mitzpah. And so Samuel sets up what he calls the Ebenezer Stone or the Help Stone as a memorial at the help that God had given them in that battle. Throughout the history of Israel and the history of God's people, various feasts were celebrated in the worship of God and in memory of particular things that God had done. We see this in the Old Testament as well through the Feast of Tabernacles that is a, is a celebration of how God has had provided and protected the people of Israel during their 40 years wandering in the wilderness. There's the Feast of Unleavened Bread and this is, they, they remember the hardship of that, of that wandering, the times uh, that they were in Egypt and how, how God had freed them from that captivity and so uh, the Jews would eat nothing leavened during that time. Of course there's the Passover feast when the angel of death passed over the children of Israel, the ones that had applied the blood of the lamb to their doors. Even today as a New Testament church we take part in the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Jesus Christ. You see, throughout history, God's people are commanded to remember what He has done. And there's a lot of reasons for that, one of which is that we can draw strength from it. That's why right before David begins to remember the days of old, the thing that triggers that is in verse 4, he says, My spirit is weak within me. My heart feels empty. I'm overcome with dismay. And so he draws strength from remembering all that God has done. Now think about the fact that he is in a, in a terrible situation as he writes this. His life is in danger. His enemies are pursuing him. Things are not really going his way at this very moment. And yet he cries out to God remembering, thinking about, meditating on all that God has done. Listen, here's what I want you to understand from that. Don't get so caught up in what you want God to do that you forget all that He has already done. Don't get so caught up in what you want God to do that you forget all that He has already done. You know, for the believer, Memorial Day is more than just honoring our fallen heroes. And I think we should do that. I think that is the godly thing to do. But for a believer in Christ, it, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond honoring and remembering loved ones who are no longer with us. It's remembering the hand of God at work in the lives of those people. And how through the willingness of of those that have died protecting our country, the willingness of those who are willing to serve and sacrifice for this one nation under God. God has formed and He has protected this great nation 
through the sacrifices of so many of those people. It's a chance for us to reflect on the love that has been given to us by family and friends and loved ones who have passed on and how God has used those people to impact our lives and to shape us into who we are today. And the truth is, none of us will ever be where we think we should be as people, as individuals, or even as a nation. There's always going to be something that you wish was different about your life, but we cannot let dreams and longings of the future drown out the blessings that God has provided to us in days past. So David is remembering the days of old. He's remembering what God has done. Number two, he remembers what God is doing. He says, he says I, I meditate on all that you have done. He says, he says, but I reflect on the work of your hands. You see, that's present tense. I, I reflect on the things that you are doing today. You see, in David's distress, he understood that even in the pain and, and even as he struggled, even in his weakness, God was still on the throne and God was still in control. Many of you know that, that I love history and my undergraduate degree is in history. And uh, a long time ago, when I was pursuing my undergraduate degree, maybe even before that point, uh, I, went to, uh, I went to a gathering of believers and I heard uh, a pastor named Louis Giglio say that history is his story. I've shared that with you before. History is his story in that, uh, in that history is the story of God. And that has always stuck with me. That history is the story of God as our creator, as our father, as our protector, as our savior, savior, as our defender, as our healer, our friend. And the list goes on and on and on. History is his stories, the story of God. You know, I don't get a chance to do this as often as I would like, but I do enjoy getting out into the woods from time to time. I love when I, when I can go into the forest or uh, somewhere way out in the woods where nobody lives anymore, but at one time they did. I love coming across uh, one of these plots of land, maybe where, a, where an old house used to be, and, and, and I wonder what it was like for the people who had lived there in those days. Of course, I'm instantly reminded of how completely spoiled we are today with all the technology that we live with. And I'm instantly thankful when I'm out in the woods during seasons like this and in the hot summer especially, I am instantly thankful for air conditioning. But I think about the way that God has sustained those folks in the days past. I'm reminded that that same God that sustained those people that, that, that allowed them somehow to live without refrigeration or air conditioning. How could anybody live without air conditioning? But they did. Amen? But, but that same God that sustained the people in those days is the same God that can sustain me today. 
You know, in this season of COVID-19, the pandemic season, our lives has had to adjust. Our churches have had to adjust. You know, we've had to stop meeting in person. And of course, we're going to get back to that soon. But I can't tell you how many times that I've thanked God for the technology that has provided us uh, the ability to stay connected online. And no, that's not the same. But it has been a blessing. And I wonder what our approach to all of this would have been years ago. Even, even 20 years ago, uh, we wouldn't have these options. You know, every Sunday and Wednesday, Facebook and YouTube and Vimeo, all these online platforms are bombarded with sermons and Bible studies and so many churches that, that, that are aching to get back together just as we are, are reporting at the same time that they have been reaching more people online than ever before. Listen, maybe you're one of those people out there today. No matter where you are, if you're struggling today, maybe if you're in a season of weakness, I want to encourage you to look at the world through the eyes of David. And you're going to see that even in a time of distress and even during a world crisis, God is still faithful, God is still working. He will guide you and He will sustain you to do that which He has called you to do even in the middle of the storm. In 1950, Navy pilot Jim Lovell was flying a night exercise in an F-2 Banshee off of the aircraft carrier, the USS Shangri-La. Many of you might know the name Jim Lovell. He was the commander of the famous Apollo 13 mission. But before he was an astronaut, he was a Navy pilot and, and he was flying his first combat training mission off of the aircraft carrier uh, at night during a time when, when flying off a carrier uh, was still relatively a new thing. And in his first exercise, he missed a rendezvous point with other planes. And what had happened was that his instrumentation in his plane had malfunctioned and led him away from his group. Uh, and so as he, as he began to, of course he was flying at night, it was hard to see. He had a cockpit light and as he turned on his cockpit light, a little map light so that he could see some of his, uh, some of his uh, instructions and, 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 and evaluate things further. As soon as he turned that light on, all of the instruments in the cockpit short-circuited. Every light went out. And so now he is in complete darkness. Every bulb, all these little indicator lights that he could see uh, that could tell him certain things. Now all of them are gone. And he found himself flying uh, hopelessly in circles in the Sea of Japan. And he couldn't see anything but darkness. And the, even, even the light of the moon and stars were gone because he was flying around uh, on a night when, when it was very cloudy. So all of that, all of that was, uh, was blocked out. And, and it was becoming difficult for him to even be able to tell which way was up and which way was down. It was hard for him to tell the difference between the darkness of the night and the darkness of the sea below. Listen, you, you don't have to be 
in a dark plane flying over the sea of Japan in 1950 to be distressed. You, you, you don't have to be in a plane flying over Japan to be disoriented or to feel like David who says here in Psalm 143, my spirit is weak. You know, that can happen when, when you lose a job. That can happen when you end a relationship. That, that can happen when a child or a loved one is ill. There's going to be times in life that you feel like nothing can go right, but you cannot quit. As Jim Lovell's eyes began to adjust to the darkness, he looked down there in the water and he began to see light in the water. He describes it as a faint greenish greenish glow forming a shimmery trail in black water. And as a Navy pilot, Jim Lovell knew immediately exactly what he was seeing. It was, it was a trail of phosphorescent algae, say that three times, but it was a, a trail of phosphorescent algae churned up by the propellers of the carrier and suddenly in the pitch black darkness he was able to see his way home. He followed what he described to this as this strange radiance all the way back to the carrier and landed safely. And he once said, because of his instruments malfunctioning, that if, if his instruments had not have malfunctioned, if the lights in the cockpit would not have went out when they did, he might not have made it back to the carrier if not for that circumstance going wrong. See, you never know what God is going to do. That even in the darkness, even when it, it seems like everything is going wrong, He is on the throne. He is at work, and He is the light that will guide you on your way. I found this quote, and I've been trying to uh, identify the origin, and, and so far I can't, but I, I see it in a lot of places, and I think there's a lot of strength to this, and I think this is the heart at what, of what's going on with, with David as he is writing um, what's happening here in Psalm 143. But here's the quote. It says, Give God your weakness, and He will give you His strength. Give God your weakness, and He will give you His strength. And that's exactly what David is doing. David is saying, God, I'm weak. <laughs> I can't do this on my own. And David is drawing strength from that encounter with God. The truth is, is that the same God that empowered David to strike down the giant, the same God who parted the Red Sea and dried up the Jordan River, the same God who protected His people from the death angel, the same God who, who brought victory to Israel at Mizpah, the same God who promised and delivered to man a Savior of the world, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead, he is on the throne today and He is at work in hearts and He is at work in this world. And yes, you can trust Him. David says, my spirit is weak within me. My, my heart is overcome with dismay. So I remember the days of old and I remember what you have done. And I think about, God, what you are doing today. But the third thing. 
As he remembers what God is going to do tomorrow. In verse, verse 6 here, David says, I spread out my hands to you. I am like a parched land before you. When David says, I spread out my hands, remember this is a day in time when, when the people of God, when they prayed, they often would pray with their hands held high. Yes, in one sense, it was a form of praise and a, por- a form of worship, but it was a visual representation of their faith because they were saying, God, as we pray to you, we are praying expectantly. And Father, we are ready to receive your blessing. Our hands are right here. We're, you drop it down, Lord, and we're ready to catch it because we know that you are about to do something amazing. It was a sign of faith and expectation. And when David says, I'm like a parched land before you, He's saying, I'm hungry for you, God. I'm ready for you. I'm thirsty for you. I'm ready to receive the living water. He's saying, you know, God, you're the only one that can fix my problem. You are the solution. You're the only one that can satisfy my hunger. You're the only one that can supply that which will fully quench my thirst. You know, a lot of people find themselves in a difficult place in life will look around and they say, you know, where's God in all of this? You know, they find themselves in a difficult situation. Here David is in a difficult situation, whether it's it's the days that King Saul, who who David honored, who David tried to... um, uh, try, tried to serve and tried to do right by King Saul was pursuing David. It could be during that time. It could be during the time in his life, again, when his son has, has turned on him and has tried to lead a rebellion, a revolution, a coup d'etat against the king. And at whatever point this is in his life, a lot of people in that circumstance would have looked up and said, where is God in all of this? Where is God in my suffering? Where is God in the unfair way in which I've been treated? Where is God in all of my weakness? Many of you know that the well-known and beloved pastor Ravi Zacharias went on to glory this week. And back in 2006, he addressed this very issue in, in his book entitled, Has Christianity failed you. And he says this, he says, I think the reason we sometimes have the false sense that God is so far away is because that is where we have put him. We have kept him at a distance. And then when we are in need and call upon him in prayer, we wonder where he is. And he is exactly where we left him. You see, David understood that God had not abandoned him. And instead of pushing God away and complaining about how unfair things were, David prayed to God and he shared his heart with God. And he began to remember all the things that God had already done. And he began to get strength from that. And he began to pray with expectation 
knowing that, that God was not done, knowing that there was more that God had for him. And even in the battle, even in the worst of it, God's call in his life had not stopped. Corey Ten Boone once said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You see, David was unafraid of the unknown future. Instead, he prayed in confidence with his hands held high, praying with expectation because he wasn't afraid of the unknown future because he knew that he was trusting in a very known God. As we celebrate Memorial Day weekend, we remember the days of old because they remind us of the love of God. Memorial Day reminds us of the ultimate sacrifice of love, which is through the, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself by dying on the cross for our sins, the just for the unjust, once for all, to bring us to God. And we praise God for the opportunity to remember the days of old because many of the things that we remember on Memorial Day are reflective of the love and truth of Jesus. And as we recognize that, we understand that there is nothing greater. There is no greater love, no greater sacrifice, no greater power, no greater name than the name of Jesus Christ. That's the God that David was talking to and talking about in Psalm 143. He remembered the days of old because he knew the God of those days. He's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You see, David knew him. The question is, do you? I want to invite you to bow your heads with me right now. If you would, just wherever you are, bow your heads and close your eyes. And in just a moment, the music will play. In just a moment, you'll have the opportunity to, to worship along with our worship team. But as you do, I, I want to challenge you. Right where you are right now, take a moment and look deep within your heart. I want to ask you, where are you with God? Where are you in your walk with Him? If you faced a really horrible situation like the one that David was facing when he wrote Psalm 143, how would you respond? Would you remember the days of old? Or would you curse them? Would you pray with expectation or would you complain and become bitter and angry? Would you turn to God? Would you embrace Him? Maybe it's time to stop and reflect the work of God. Maybe it's time that we remember the work of God in the days of old. Let's pray.